And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we are back. Thank you, listeners, for joining us for yet another episode of the Startup Hustle podcast. I am Lauren Conaway, founder and CEO of Innovate Her KC. Want you to know that today's episode of Startup Hustle is sponsored by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. So today we have with us CL Fails. And CL is something of a hero of mine because there is really not much that she doesn't know about or that she doesn't do. Um, but most importantly, she is an author, a prolific author, and she is founder and chief opportunity officer for Launch Crate Publishing. So she's going to talk to us about a lot of cool stuff today. CL, thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks for having me, Lauren. Absolutely. Well, so so let's go ahead and get right into it because I, I can't wait for listeners to hear more about you and, and why you're such a hero of mine. Um, so tell me, t- tell us, tell us about you. Tell us about your journey. <laughs> My journey is an interesting one. You know, you think about uh, what American society tells you about our individual journeys, and they always explain it to be a linear journey, and that. You know, you go to school and then you graduate and you get married and you do all these things. You go into your career and it's just a straight shot. And my life has been nothing like that straight shot that they predicted. It's been a bunch of loops and curves. And um, I've loved every single piece of my journey so far. So I started in uh, the field of education, which was fun. I've had the chance uh, to work with pre-K through college students and even some um some people that are working on their master's degrees as well. So uh, having the chance to work to make a difference in terms of equity has been um, something that's important to me. So that's where I dip my toe in the water in the field of education, working with uh, programs that help to ensure that students are prepared to attend college. And then uh, when I worked at UMKC, I had the chance to work with students Um, that were entering college, not sure how to uh, make the most of it. And so we helped them to really look at the skills that they developed in high school and ramp those up for college so they could be successful and graduate there. So that's where my start was. Um, Along the way, I started writing and illustrating books and um, tried to figure out the best route for publishing my own work and then eventually figured out how to help other people publish their work and make sure that they're fairly compensated for that. And by day, I was working at UMKC, and by night, I was doing all this work in publishing, and something I had to give, so I chose to bet on myself, and I started Launch Crate Publishing. Amazing. So, so one of the things that I think I've always admired most about you, and there are many things, but but one of the things is how inherently creative you are. 
Um, so every single time I talk to you, you, you apply a new and different perspective on whatever it is we're talking about. And not only that, um, so I was actually, you'll remember, of course, but I was on the, uh, the launch grade podcast, mm-hmm. um, a while back and like, I've been on podcasts before and I have never been so exhilarated slash scared to be on a podcast because you kept, you kept putting me on the spot yeah. and you kept asking me to be very creative. And so, mm-hmm. so, so for instance, I mean, I think that we, uh, we created a picture together and we told a story together and we did all of these things that weren't really like in the realm of things that I do every day. And so it was really, it was a little uncomfortable, I'll be honest, and a little fatiguing, but you asked me to stretch myself. And so, so I think not only are you inherently creative, but you also ask other people around you and you empower other people around you to be creative. And so that was like a whole string of information about you. But the question, I have a question. The question is this. Mm-hmm. What, what inspires you to, to be so creative and to, to factor creativity into everything that you do? Um, gosh, that's a tough question. Listen, <laughs> I, I feel like... <laughs> you're going to do it. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I feel like everyone is um, inherent, inherently creative in their own way. Um, and in American society specifically, sometimes the education system will squeeze that out of us and um, it will devalue certain aspects of our personalities, which um, are c- considered more creative and ask you to follow the mainstream, Right. Um, but I had the good fortune of having a lot of teachers and a lot of educators and parents and family members and friends and friends, family members who um, nurtured that in me and continued to encourage it to develop within me. And having had that experience and not having people squeeze it out of me um, just helped it to become like second nature to me. So when other people say um, that you do all this creative stuff, I think it's just naturally part of who I am now because it has been nurtured along my entire journey throughout my entire life. And uh, I think once you get in the practice of doing those types of things um, to stretch yourself, then knowing what it pulls out of you and knowing how it pulls the best out of you, then you can start to help other people do that for themselves as well. So did that answer your question or tap dance around it? It, it did. <laughs> no, it was great. Um, and so, so kind of going along with that, because so, so on the one hand, when I think of CL fails, I think of creativity. And then I also think of how you give others a platform and how you give mm-hmm. others voice. And you, you kind of touched on that there, but I, I do want to delve a little bit more deeply into it. Why is it important to you, CL, to, to do the work that you do? You work so hard to give people voices and to help them tell their stories. Why is that important to you? You know, things um, are imbalanced. And if I feel like I have the ability to help switch that imbalance a little bit and start to shift the table a little bit. I'm going to do everything that I can to do that. Um, And that's across the board, whether that's in education or whether that's in um, 
the publishing industry. Um, everything that I do has been to move the needle so that we're starting to shift some of those um, structures that are in place in our society that don't give everybody the same opportunity to capitalize on the opportunities that exist. Yeah. Well, and so in your work with Launch Great Publishing, you have a focus on women and minority writers. And, mm-hmm. and um, you know, with I think I've seen you work with the podcast and e- even your books, um, like the Ella series, um, you're just finding ways to highlight communities that they really need to have voices. And so I, I, I so admire that about you. It's, it's, it's difficult work. Um, and you do it with, with a lot of grace. So, so you're also, you're also very calm. I've all, I've always felt like you're, you're a calming presence. Like I'll run, I'll be running around like a chicken with my head cut off at a, an event or something like that. And then, Oh, there's CL. I'm going to go talk to her because, that voice and that demeanor, like she's going to bring me back to earth a little bit and I'm going to you know, stop being so frantic and frenetic. Awesome. Um, yeah. So, so, well, and so actually that, that's a question that I have for you as well. Like, how do you do that? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I think over time I have learned how to manage my energy a little bit better. Yeah. Um, and when I, <laughs> when I don't manage my energy, and my husband can probably tell you this, when I don't manage my energy, I am uh, kind of frenetic and all over the place, and um, I, it wears me out. So, <laughs> yeah. to, to make sure that I am uh, physically and emotionally and mentally in a space where I can continue to do the work and continue to help, I learned how to manage my energy and manage my thoughts and. Um, again, it's just a lot of practice, <laughs> years and years and years of practice. Yeah. I mean, is it, is it like a breathing technique thing? Is it a mental reframing thing? Like there, are there some, some magic bullets that you can share? <laughs> I think it's yes. And yes, it's, it's okay. both of those things. Yeah. Um, for me and, the, and part of this, I think is because I'm an introvert, right? So introverts, uh, protect their energy a lot, uh, because you know, being overstimulated, it just is very taxing. But um, uh, one of the other traits that introverts have is that we reflect a lot on things before we speak. And um, that that has been something that I have replicated in everything that I do wherever I am, just taking a minute to, to kind of pause and then reflect and then act. Because uh, when I don't do that, then I usually have to apologize for something. <laughs> I, I love that. And I don't think you have to apologize for a damn thing. Um, but so, so that actually, that actually brings up a really interesting, interesting question for me. So, so as an introvert, mm-hmm. what, who you are is, I'm going to try to phrase this and, and, you know, feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, but who you are is almost a little bit at odds with what you do. Because when you are, I mean, when you're an author and when you have a podcast and when you do, when you're a founder, like when you do all of these things, you have to put yourself out there. And I think we all pretty much know that like, I mean, you, you have products, but people buy things and they get invested in brands that they know and trust. And so Mm -hmm. that you have to give a little piece of yourself. Is that, is that strange for you? It's not. And I tell you, I think if I was not in education, it probably would be strange for me. But having had the chance to 
be in a position where you have to be in front of a class of students and get them to understand and invest in the lesson that you're teaching that day. Um, you learn how to step outside of, of those things that might hold you back um, if you had the preference of, <laughs> yeah. of how you responded. Um, and if you're really invested in, in someone's um, success and in helping people, then you do what you have to do. And uh, yeah. so, yeah, more than 10 years in education, um, I think, taught me how to turn it off and turn it on. So, well, and so, so what you're like, the fundamental of what you're talking about is being comfortable with discomfort. Mm -hmm. Like these days we hear a lot of, of a lot of talk about that. You know, we need to be able to have uncomfortable conversations and we need to be able to confront things that make us uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. and so, so I think that, that fundamentally you're coming, it sounds like you're coming from a place where you almost embrace the discomfort piece of it, like if it's going to help me grow and it's going to help me be better, then I'm going to I'm going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> and so, and, and I love that. I love people who are able to do that. I am. I'm not always able to. Like sometimes I'm like, I just want to be safe. Leave me alone. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but so so I, I'm going to ask you to give our listeners because I, I just feel like you have so much wisdom to share. Um, I'm going to ask you to give our listeners some some pointers. Like how do you get comfortable with discomfort? I don't know that you will ever get comfortable with discomfort. Um, but I think more than anything, what it comes down to is uh, you hear people talk about leaning in all the time. And I think sometimes that gets overused, but that's truly what it is, right? Yeah. Um, understanding that, you know what, I am uncomfortable in this moment, but knowing that on the other side of this discomfort is going to be an opportunity for me to learn something about myself or about someone else, an opportunity for me to contribute more to society overall, an opportunity for us to move forward into a better place. Um, and I think knowing those things and keeping those things in mind, it makes it easier to lean into that discomfort. Okay. I like that. I, I like that because because yeah, I, I I think maybe I miss misphrased, but I, I think the point of that discomfort is that you're never going to get comfortable with it. The Absolutely. point <laughs> you push through anyway, yeah. and you do it. Um, so that that's really interesting. I like the way that you framed that. So so this discomfort piece, like it, it can apply, it can apply really anywhere. I mean, mm -hmm. I think like to stay safe and they like to do the things that they that they know and in all aspects of their lives that could be with you know that's how people get sucked into patterns when they're dealing with their families or they get sucked into unproductive methods of promoting their business but i think one of the most important things and i know that you have just a huge heart for this is having difficult discussions around issues like equity and inclusion and and so I wanted to ask you to talk to us a little bit about about that because I just I know how important that is and how important that is to you. Yeah, you know, representation is everything and um I was on a panel once and was asked about um the first book that I can remember really um, connecting with as a child. And it took me straight back to first grade in elementary school. And um, the book was The Snowy Day, right? 
Mm-hmm. And they asked me why. And I said, you know, because in the library, when they were reading books to us, they would hold up the cover of the book and ask us to think about what the book was about first. And my class would be all over the place because we're in first grade, right? That's what six and seven-year-olds do. They they chitter-chatter and they make little funny jokes and that's what you do. But when they held up this book and there's a little black boy on the cover of the book, the class was so quiet because this was one of the first times that I, I would imagine all of us could remember um, seeing an image of someone that looks like us or could be us uh, reflected on the cover of a book. And um, it was just a really powerful moment. And it's one that I can still, like I can still see my classmates faces and I can still remember how quiet it was when they read that book to us. And the next week it just was not that quiet. They were chitter chatter and jokes again. Uh, But when you can see yourself in something and that's, whether that's a story or whether that is any career industry, um, it it has a tremendous and profound impact on you and what's deemed possible um, in your own world. So, sure, rep- representation matters. Absolutely, and I and and that goes for for any population group that's underrepresented. But mm-hmm. I mean, right now. You know, we're just we're having a lot of conversations around race and in our country. And yep. um, I don't know, I just I, I love hearing that story. And I'm sorry that we have to have it. Um, so at any rate, you know, thank you for the work that you do. Um, you're much appreciated. Um, I am going to break in here really quickly and just remind our listeners that this episode of Startup Hustle was made possible by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team uh, affordably and quickly and helping us tell stories of amazing women leaders. And I just, uh, we love them. Um, So now I want to, I want to kind of shift a little bit and I want to talk about the the tactics of Launch Great Publishing. And I I want to hear you know, from from the founder and as the person who understands the brand and what you're trying to accomplish, like talk to us about, talk to us about the work. Yeah. So we are really trying our hardest to flip the publishing industry on end. Uh, One book, one author and uh, one series at a time, right? Uh, The publishing industry, much like the music industry had been before people started chipping away at it. Um, really did not favor the creatives. Um, And granted, they have a lot of things that they have to take care of in publishing. You've got marketing, you have sales, you have editorial departments, you have um, the executive level um, folks in the C-suites, right? But the people who are creating the books that are being published, if they're not getting fairly compensated um, for the work that is putting money in everybody else's pockets. That's a problem to me. Um, And that all started because of an experience that I had when I was um, first writing and illustrating and and figuring out what to do with my work. And I saw the disparities as I started to do my research and really dig into what the publishing industry looked like and um, thought I found a reputable source to help me out and what should have been giving me uh, $5 per book profit ended up getting me only uh, 14 cents a copy. And um, right. 
that's pretty ridiculous, right? And this, we're talking about a company that didn't do any book design. They didn't do cover design, no layout. They didn't edit it. They didn't do the illustrations. They literally printed it and got it ready for distribution. And pocketed it right there. Yep. That's crazy. And so I started looking at all of the books that they had published and they had, you know, thousands of books out there that they had helped people with. And uh, people were using them because it was, you know, the better option for them. But to me, just because that's the better option at the time, it doesn't mean that that's necessarily the best option that exists. And maybe that option needs to be created. So that's what I did with LaunchCrate. We really tried to find a way um, to help people in, in mainly in a couple of um, areas. We do traditional publishing and then publishing services. So with publishing services, what we do is to help people with um, just about anything related to, to the book writing process for those who are interested in self-publishing. Um, so that could be book layout. It could be editorial help. Storyboarding. Um, like, storyboarding, yeah. all of that stuff, right? Anything related to that. So that's separate from traditional publishing. But traditional publishing, we have found a way to flip that um, profit margin. So 60% of profits uh, for the book will go to the author and then 40% will come to us as a publishing company. That's so great. And I mean, from what I understand, that's a pretty huge discrepancy between what you're offering and what others in your, your vertical author yeah. offers. Mm-hmm. So way to look out for the little guy. <laughs> <laughs> when you got experience being the little guy, you start to look for the little guy. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I love that. So you have some, some programs that you have rolled out. Um, Do you want to talk to us a little bit about those? Some of the the specific services that you offer? Sure. You're doing, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So, you know, one of the things that came out of the pandemic uh, was that people started to reevaluate what was important to them. And so we really saw an uptick in people who were interested in writing their stories and getting those books out that were uh, in them. And so one of the things that we have pivoted to is um, a program called Idea to Editor. And that's really helping to take a small group of people uh, in an accelerated master course and help them go from just an idea that's rolling around in their head to mapping it out and starting the the book writing process. And by the time they finish with us after eight weeks, they'll have a completed manuscript. That's huge. Yeah. That's, well, and that's so fast. How do you, how do you do that sustainably? I don't... <laughs> so, so there's a lot of conversation that happens on the front end so that I'm uh, helping people manage their expectations and, and really connecting with people who, um, have a vested interest in their own success, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so you have to be of the mindset of knowing that I have to commit to writing X number of words per day or X number of words per week so that I can hit the goal to finish my book. Um, yeah. And when you have those conversations, it makes a difference. Okay. All right. Yeah. I, I, I enjoy that. Have you... Have you found that sometimes your your clients, like you have to work a little harder to get them on board with your methods? What's that um, like? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that. So, so for those of you, you know, at home, Cynthia's she's nodding her head right yeah, now. Yes. <laughs> 
Sorry, I forget that this is audio. <laughs> yes, no, it's, and it's just like um, education, right? So when you are are delivering a lesson to to a group of students, there are some students who are going to be reluctant to receive that lesson until they see it in action, right? And the same is true uh, when we work with people in in their writing and they're they're creating their book uh, until they start to see some of it unfold. Um, then they're kind of, you know, toe in the water, but I'm not really going to stick my leg in all the way yet. And then they start to see it unfold. And then usually they'll just jump on in. They won't even wade into the water at that point. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. I like that. Well, and I feel like, you know, you, you have a level of patience that, well, I certainly don't have. It's one of the many reasons I'm not a teacher. <laughs> Uh, but I, you know, I'm so glad that there are people like you who do have the, the patience for, for that kind of work. So, so I want to hear, I want to hear about the Ella books because they, mm-hmm. they definitely have like a little, you know, warm spot in my heart. Um, but, but talk to us a little bit about those. <laughs> so those books are some of my favorite, um, and those were created as a love letter to my mom. Um, and just, acknowledging and and sharing um, the inspiration that I gained from watching her navigate through the world and um, showing the superpowers that I think we all have inside of us that we don't necessarily consider superpowers. So um, Ella is an extraordinary young girl. I'll say that. <laughs> She's, she, she has um, interesting conversations with her mom and with those around her. Uh, but, you know, they all center on the power of something, right? So the first book in the series is about the power of one and how one person can have a ripple effect on the world around them. Uh, the second book is about uh, the power of yet and how adding that tiny little word, that three-letter word to the end of a sentence suddenly makes something possible that wasn't before. So we're tapping into growth mindset there. Sure. Uh, the the third one is about the power of sight and holding on to your dreams, even uh, when others don't necessarily understand those dreams. And um, the most recent installment uh, is about grit. So we're talking about, um, I don't remember that, the power, what the power is for that one. I should probably know that, but um, <laughs> Ella in One Great Race uh, is all about um, finding your way, even when you doubt yourself. So well, and so so I love that you have taken because you know earlier you talked to us about this experience when you were a child about you know seeing a book that was representative of who you are and who you could be. Mm-hmm. You've taken that you've you've done the same thing, but then you've also added um, a, an element or component of I'm I'm not just going to show you what's possible, but I'm also going to teach you about what's possible, like learn about and learn about one and learn about yet because all of these things someday when you are grown up all of these things are going to be available to you to help you succeed and thrive mm-hmm. um, and so so I love that you're you're teaching those lessons early um, those are the kinds of lessons that you have to teach early and you have to reinforce often you know absolutely um, so so I love that and I, it's why I've always I've always been drawn to Ellen. I think I've bought like several copies of the books to give to friends for like baby showers and stuff like that. Cause I'm just like, <laughs> Thank you. You know, 
you're gonna get any number of like the hungry caterpillar and don't get me wrong i love the hungry the very hungry caterpillar but here's a book that you know share with your child when he or she is a little older and it's gonna be it's gonna be a good experience awesome um so you're now again i'm gonna ask you to correct me if i'm wrong your most recent book was a spoonful of sugar plums wasn't it yes and that was (laughs) Wasn't it a little different, a little different for you, a little bit of a departure? It absolutely was. It was definitely unexpected. Uh, So that's the first novel that I've written, uh, which kind of caught me by surprise. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I actually keep this by my desk. (laughs) You? (laughs) I know. I'm holding holding it right now. And honestly, like, sometimes I just like looking at it. Uh, But so, so what made you decide to write a novel? Um, I think I was told to write that novel. I'm going to be honest with you. Um, so, so I have the Ella book series, and then I have um, the Secret World of Rain the Brain series, which is a series for middle grade readers. And so my plan was to enter into National, no- National Novel Writing Month uh, to write books three and four for the Secret World of Rain the Brain series. And I started on day one, and I was writing, and... <laughs> It was like I was struggling through to get to the word count that I needed to get for that day, but I made it. But as I was writing, I kept receiving this nagging feeling that this is not the book that I was supposed to write. And I was like, that's okay. I'm going to write this one anyway, and I'm going to ignore this nudge, which I usually don't do. So the next day I wake up and the nudge is still there. And so I just stopped and I got really still. And I just said out loud, what am I supposed to write? And my hand starts writing on this uh, piece of paper, and I mapped out uh, what ended up being um, the chapters and in, in the storyboard for um, a spoonful of sugar plums, which also now has uh, a sequel to it as well. And that one kind of came out the same way the first one did. Yeah, yeah, it's well, very there, interesting. Me, yeah, that is interesting, and I feel like what I I think that it's very cool that you you kind of allowed yourself to, to, you gave yourself permission to listen to your gut. Mm-hmm. Even that wasn't what rationally, like you maybe thought that you were supposed to be doing. Like you had a very, you know, logical, logical strategy in place. And then I, I, I love it that you listened to your gut. And that's another thing. I, I, th- I think back when we had you on the innovator podcast, we spent some time talking about the fact that you, you listen to your gut. And so mm-hmm. We're going to talk about it again because I think it's important. Uh, <laughs> I mean, honestly, sometimes you just have to answer questions at my whim. So there. Um, For me. So, <laughs> so what what is it that's in you, or, or how do you how do you give yourself permission to to listen to your intuition? Like, what is what is it about you that allows you to do that? Again, I think it goes back to just years and years of practice. Um, I had a a mom who listened to her gut and followed her intuition regularly. And so she instilled that in my brother and I and uh, tried to help my dad through that as well, (laughs) which, which has been a fun process to watch. Um, And especially because he didn't grow up necessarily doing that. Mm -hmm. Um, But watching it work for someone who doesn't do that regularly, um, I think just kind of instills the importance of, of following your gut and being still and listening to the messages that are are being funneled to you because there's a reason that they're being given to you. Um, And every time I follow my gut and every time I lean on my intuition, uh, things just start to open up and and 
like really roll quickly. Um, even thinking about uh, writing a spoonful of sugar plums, I finished that book. It was more than 52,000 words and I wrote it in 13 days. And then the sequel um, I wrote in, I think, 16 days and it was like 57,000 words. But it was because I was listening to what I was supposed to be doing. And um, even in starting Launch Crave and and deciding to do this full time, um, I really had to stop and be still and listen because, you know, my logical mind is like, you need a guaranteed salary. What are you going <laughs> to what are you going to do? to ensure that things are taken care of in the household and that you're adding value to the household. Uh, but when your gut is telling you and that <laughs> it's like a quiet knock is almost how I describe it to people. It's a quiet knock. And if you ignore the knock, just like anybody that's at your front door that wants to get in, they're going to knock a little bit harder. And then if it's really important, they're going to start banging on the door. And that's kind of what my intuition is, is like as well. So, hmm. yeah. Interesting. I love that. I mean, yeah, I, I that always impresses me because I, I have to admit, like, I I feel like I have a pretty pretty decent amount of intuition, and I and I think most people do. Like, I don't think I'm a special snowflake or anything like that. I think that <laughs> um, often, sometimes people just struggle to open that door and listen uh, when the universe. I mean, you, you could call it any number of things. You could call it the universe. You could call it God. You could call it, you know psychology, like whatever it is, mm -hmm. um, you know, whatever that is, I think people sometimes have a really difficult time listening, myself included. And so whenever I see somebody who's able to be like fully actualized and in tune with what's happening around them and what, what they're being told, I think that's a really cool thing. So wait, yeah, you know, we're, <laughs> we're really logical human beings, right? So well, if, if we have, if we have trouble making sense of it, yeah. I think that makes it that makes it harder for us to, um, to trust it. Yeah. So Psychologically speaking, I think that people, we're always trying to put things into the boxes and the order in which it belongs, because that's mm -hmm. how we make sense of the world around us. Yeah. Um, but I, I also think that there's often something beyond that, mm -hmm. uh, that we just have to, and that's where faith comes in, you know, and I'm yeah. not, faith i'm not not always talking about like belief in god or what have you i'm talking about a a trust in something that you can't necessarily explain or see or feel or touch or yeah <laughs> no matter how that applies in your life uh, yeah so that's I, yeah <laughs> that's um the basis of one of the quotes that i was given by um someone when i was working uh, with the scholarship program that I worked with when I had the chance to work with middle and high school students. Um, and it's a quote by Edward Teller. It says, when you come to the end of all the light that you know, and it's time to step into the darkness of the unknown, faith is knowing that one of two things will happen. Either you'll be given something solid to stand on or you'll be taught to fly. Um, and so I turned that into a little print that I have near my desk, which is pretty cool. I, oh, I love that. I want to see it sometime. <laughs> well, so, so, so I think, and really, I, I actually really like this, how we've kind of taken this conversational turn toward faith, because I, mm -hmm. I do think that being an entrepreneur and being entrepreneurial, I mean, that's really, that's really what that is. Um, yeah. Faith that 
a having faith in yourself, you know, I can do this. I am the best person to do this, but, you know, having faith in your product or service or whatever initiative you're trying to lead or whatever you're trying to do. Um, I actually think, and, and I don't know, I mean, I could be wrong, but I think the entrepreneurial journey starts with faith almost every time. I think it has to. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Even when you're just at like the idea or the germ state, like the germ of a seed of an idea, you know, you have to sit there and say, hey, I'm going to I'm going to ruminate on this and I'm going to come up with something. And I am uniquely positioned and qualified to do so. Mm -hmm. So that's really interesting. I love that. You're so entrepreneurial <laughs> in, in so many different ways. Uh, also, yeah. Um, I is there any? I, I know that you have written so many books and you have so much going on right now. And really, I think I just kind of want to give you an a little bit of an opportunity to to brag on yourself. Is there anything else that you want to share with listeners? Anything you're excited about? I think um, outside of the idea to editor program that we are are running, the probably the most exciting thing for me has been watching of the young people that we've had the chance to work with in our picture book camp, uh, which was which was really good, really cool to watch um, because they knew that they were going to come in and create a story, but they didn't know what the story was going to be about. And so we guided them through uh, the concept stage and really helped them learn how to storyboard and map out their story and write their story and then illustrate their story. And by the end, they finished with a picture book, which was really cool. That's amazing. And and again, like, just want to bring this home for listeners, like at every point in a person's evolution, I think you have found a way to help people be more creative and to express the creativity that they maybe wouldn't have otherwise done. So, so I, I, I just love that about you. Well, thank you. Uh, so, so I am going to, I'm going to ask you the human question, the silly question right now. And ask you a question that I hate, hate, hate getting, but I, I really, really want to hear your answer. So I'm going to ask you to tell us, I'm not going to ask you to pick one, because I think when people ask me to pick one, I get really, really annoyed. Um, but I'm going to ask you to tell us about your favorite books, um, not your own, not the ones that you wrote, oh, but you know, maybe, maybe two or three books that just really inspire you. It, whenever people ask me that question, they're always like, what's your favorite book? And I'm like, I could, I cannot answer that question because it depends nope. on you. Am I feeling nostalgic? Then it's probably a wrinkle in time. Am I feeling serious? Then it's probably something business related, you know? Um, but so I'm not going to ask you to just pick one, but I am going to ask you to tell us about your favorite book. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I don't, I don't know how to narrow it down. Right. So you have so many book genres to choose from. Well, uh, for listeners, I'm looking at CL right now and she has a whole bunch of books right next to her. So maybe look at them for inspiration. Or inspiration. <laughs> the, books, the books over here? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Those, those are my books. Those don't count. It's funny because you said A Wrinkle in Time and that um, if I have to think back to one of my favorite books from childhood outside of a snowy day, yeah. um, a, a wrinkle in time would have got, it would have to be uh, top of the list because my mom and I used to read that book together at bedtime. Yeah. And uh, just the way she writes, What's I could envision like everything. S say that one more time. Was your mom like Meg Murray's mom? 
expect. Right? Uh, yeah, really? absolutely. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can see Which, product of that. <laughs> right. <laughs> it might be, might be why that book resonates so much with me, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so that's one of my favorite books. Um, Start With Why is one of my favorite books as well. Um, and I think that's important in everything that you do, um, whether it's starting a business or um, scaling up your business, you know, everything that you do um, in life really circles back to that that question of why, why are we doing it? Uh, why is it important to us? And I think that question um, drives everything that we do, whether we realize it or not. Yeah, of mm-hmm. course. So you took a way to make the you, you you found a way to make the silly question profound. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's part of who I am. I'm sorry. <laughs> Earlier when I was talking, like you just you always apply such a an interesting and creative and and different perspective and spin on things. It's one of the reasons I love talking to you so much. Uh, Well, CL, thank you so much for being with us here today. Um, I have, as always, it's been a joy to talk to you. I've really enjoyed it. Um, And I hope that our our listeners have too. I'm sure that they have, because how could they not? But thank you so much. (laughs) Thanks for having me, Lauren. Absolutely. And uh, we also want to say a big old thank you to Fullscale. Um, Fullscale.io can help you build a software team quickly and affordably. And we, we sure do love them a lot. Uh, you know, and, and we really want to thank you, dear, dear listeners, for taking the time out of your busy, busy schedule to listen to us uh, talk for, for little chunks of time. We really appreciate it. So we will say thank you and we will catch you next time. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.